Welcome back to the 3 of 7 podcast. I'll be your host today because Biscuit's down hard. He's shrinking and his tea has gotten so low that he doesn't have the energy to host the podcast anymore. And my feet are blue. And your feet, his circulation. Well, that has to do with low tea. Circulation and, you know, all that. Isn't that right, Chili? Yeah, and I was just sitting here thinking the last time that Chad looked this Look this rough, Jocko sent him some anti-aging supplements, so. Hey. Oh, crap. Whoa. What the heck? I don't know what's happening. Whoa, Huberman's going to copyright strike us. <laughs> my bad. Oh, my bad. Well, anyway, the last time you looked this bad, Jocko sent you anti-aging supplements, so. If he's listening, hopefully he'll do that again, because your tea's low, you got a purple foot. Well, you know, I'm, I'm actually, show him that purple foot. <laughs> My feet aren't even purple, man. Y'all, they were purple. Man. <laughs> uh, I'm actually... Don't talk, man. Let let your host... Yeah, I'm actually... Well, she's... The, the, okay, I'm actually excited to see how this podcast goes because everyone thinks it's so easy to host a podcast. And uh, so now we got, we got a new host today, Biscuit. Kick the show off, boo-boo. You're, let's, let's get into it. Okay. Let's get into it. So we're going to start by doing a segment that we've done before where I'm going to tell you four different things that happened to us when we were children. And I'm not going to tell you who did what until the end of the podcast. So Don't pe- don't look at me. Look at the camera. People are free. You look at me when you're talking. Look, I host how you're, I'm going to host. You're being very combative. <laughs> I'm just trying to help her with her. He's jealous. You know, I've hosted hundreds of podcasts. This is Biscuit's first try, so. Are you done? Yeah, okay. carry on, host. So, can we get like a like a safe word or something that he has to be quiet? Like if I say a certain word, you just have to stop talking. Yeah, purple foot. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> did y'all y'all didn't hear that, did you? You didn't. You don't have headphones on. You didn't hear that. Oh, I, I heard it. It, it wasn't. <laughs> Can anybody host when you have somebody this obnoxious in the like? If we were doing this and he was trying to talk, he'd be furious. <laughs> Sorry about that, boo boo. This I can <laughs> I already kick it off with that. I can already tell that he cannot let go of ownership. Blake of, and Chili didn't hear that. He pushed the button that went whomp 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 whomp, and then cackled for like five minutes. <laughs> well, all right, carry on, boo boo. <laughs> wow. We're off to a great we got start. sidetracked on you your just, segment. You can't stand it, can you? You just can't stand part, somebody else part of being running a, the ship. Part huh? of being the host is taking charge of the conversation. You're failing at that right now. <laughs> is it? No? You guys aren't? Okay, you're not going to back me up. You're just going to leave we me We got up. any housekeeping today? <laughs> no. Uh, the ad manager said I'm good. Is it right? Well, I didn't say that. <laughs> I thought you said we didn't have any ads. I had. Oh, you're where? Where? Uh, hoist is bringing this show to the people. Well, I got my hoist right there. Well, show it. Talk to about them. hoist. Yeah, I love hoist. Well, I won't pick your bottle up there. I won't stop telling me what Sorry. to do. He's being so combative. 
First, I'm starting my segment like I was trying to do before you started pushing buttons. Oh, yeah. We're supposed to get into the show. Get and, into it. And huh? I will do. I will talk crap? about hoists later. Okay. I swear I'm going to jump across this table and beat the crap out of him. I'm just okay. going to sit here and drink my coffee. Here. So, here's four things that happened to us while we were children. Go ahead and try to guess who did what, and I will reveal it at the end. Who... Number one, who got put in ISS for selling Pokemon cards to a kid that stole money from his parents? That had to have been chilly. Who had to get a colonoscopy at six years old? That had to have been chilly. Who was bit on the nipple by a horse at a county fair and suffered serious bruising? That had to have been chilly. chilly. Who, while jumping on the bed, was sodomized by the bedpost and had to be rushed to the hospital? That had to be chilly. All right. <laughs> Dang, chilly. You had a rough childhood, man. Well, I, that is true. I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I will tell who happened to uh, who. What happened to who at the end? So our first subject today, and I will be controlling the length of time, so Chad doesn't just talk incessantly the whole time and not leave I'm anybody. I'm drinking space. my coffee, man. I want to talk about why Chad is shrinking because. Chili was yeah, about too. a foot taller than you this morning, and now when I walk beside you on level ground, I've started to feel self-conscious because I have become taller than you. Well, how do and you know? you heavier than he is. Yeah. Well, how, no, not right now. Oh. How do y'all know I'm shrinking and y'all aren't just growing? Well, I I'm, have grown. I'm not Because I haven't been measured in a long time, but I will tell you, I've been measured by the U.S. government hundreds of times, and I am 72 inches on the dot. So, I haven't been measured in a long time. Well, you're not 72 inches anymore. <coughs> well, I guess you'll have to measure me it's to prove str- that, It's huh? a strange thing that's happened. What happened? He shrunk. He he really is shrinking. Like, I suppose the uh, the fluid in between his discs has lessened, <laughs> so his spine has went from here to here. I think that's what's happened. It's very odd. It's that, his posture, and I think his arches have also collapsed. So that's at least mm. a half an inch, you know? Yeah. Isn't that odd? And it's just overall being is kind of <laughs> went no, down. I, too. I, he's, I yeah, tell he's you. Just like his, <clears throat> Do you yeah. not think you've shrunk? Personality is like, <laughs> he's not, he doesn't have near the presence he used to have. He, you know? I'll tell y'all why I shrink. One. I'm the only one that freaking trains hard. <clears throat> Two, I'm the only one that does hard stuff. Three, I pour I pour <laughs> myself out all the daggone time doing all the crap that y'all forced me to do. And so it's just I'm I'm I take so, so much gets taken out of me, it freaking shrinks me down. If I had if I had a uh a, a month or so off, I'd probably come back up to full height. But you know what, man? This is my burden. My burden is to shrink myself down to nothing. When I go out of this, when I go out of this big grape, now he's a razor. Hey, when I go out of this world, son, I'll probably be about three foot tall. I plan to lose about another foot when I ride across the country on the Tour Divide next year. So y'all just keep watching, son. The more I shrink, that means the harder I'm going, son. It's a good sign. This is the strangest condition. You see my hands glistening? Yeah, what's that's sweat from the back of my knees. Yes, yeah, because you're getting freaking nervous listening to me. Son. No, I've got it's it's <laughs> called it's called 
hyper-homogenous extralopathy, man. I got back of the knee yeah. sweat. What? You know what? A lot of people that listen to this podcast get diagnosed with that condition because it's from listening to me. You're so intimidating. You think he's weak, palms are sweaty. <laughs> Maybe there's other people out there with that back of the knee sweat. How do you say that again? Hyper-homogenous extralopathy. I think, I think it's pretty rare, but I'm sitting here, my knees are just sweating, the back of them. Not the kneecap, the back. Yeah, my knees would be sweating if I was sitting across from me, too, on a podcast. It ain't got nothing to do with you, man. This has been quite obviously hey, chronic. Hey, Jonathan Lee, he said, that's funny you guys are talking about Chad's height. When we pulled into the Sedona aid station and met Chili, that's one thing we said. Wonder how tall he was. He looks real tall on YouTube. <laughs> I look tall? They're they talking thought, about Chad. They oh. thought Chili was Chad, right? No. I, I think if you – I've seen before – Somebody has Googled uh, how tall is Chad Wright. And if you Google that, I'm pretty sure the internet says I'm like 6'2 or 6'3. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Uh, yeah. Hold on. I'll do it. Well, who? I don't. How did I play into that? <clears throat> I guess because you was out there in Sedona. How? And they thought I was tall or short. They were just curious. So well, I'm taller than Chad now. They're getting confused because this this Wikipedia says you were born in Kingston, Jamaica, and you no, are, no, you're that, six foot two inches. You got it. <laughs> I've, I've seen something somewhere on the internet that says I was like six foot two or something That's like that. That's a strange so. looking Jamaican. And you know if the internet oh. says it, it's got to be true. This this one of the most searched things says who is the hardest Navy SEAL ever. Who do you think it is? David Goggins. Yep. Yep. Hardest man alive. Dang. He's got the title. Dang. Well, we gonna talk about anything today, or? Yep. Yeah, you are flopping this show. Let, let's let's <laughs> shift. Night. Let's shift. So <laughs> the first. So I asked from Instagram for topics <laughs> from people, and I liked this one. If you had, don't nobody get political and be like, I don't know, don't don't. You have to answer it. If you had to guess how the apocalypse would happen, what scenario do you think it would be and what would it look like? I actually think that's a pretty good question because all of us mention stuff, mainly you and me probably, about, uh, oh, what are you going to do when the crap hits the fan? Oh, the, 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 you know, this is coming, this is coming. But what's it actually going to look like? Because I've seen people prepare for these so-called apocalypse in all different ways. Some people are buying up Bitcoin. Some people are storing up food. Some people are... Doing things the old way. <laughs> that's true. Some people are putting their money, they're burying it in the ground. Some people are doing all kinds of stuff, buying guns and ammo. All this stuff, it's all different ways to go about it. It all depends on how it actually looks, right? You don't know what scenario is going to play out. Because if it's just some big natural disaster or something, you know, there's going to be earthquakes everywhere and you're just going to die. Well, there ain't no prepping for that. What are you going to do? Dig a tunnel? I mean, if there's a war coming, well, yeah, buying guns and ammo is going to do good. But if it's a food shortage and you ain't growing food and you spend all your money on guns and ammo, then you're screwed. Unless you can kill something. No, that's people's problem. They're always just trying to extend their existence. There you go. Just way beyond what they should. <laughs> I was talking about this, and I was eating you. with uh, Justin Sheely and James Ward and Hal Carmine the other day after their bike ride. 
and uh, they was talking about this, and I said, I don't really want to live that long anyway, so if that that happens and I die, then, I mean, I prefer not to starve. That'd be a bad way to die, but if that's how I got to go, then that's how I go. I told you, man, that's well, what I was getting to. if you think you're starving, you get back to the point of starving, you just roll up in somewhere with guns blazing. Yeah. Go out in a, go out in a, Big guns blazing match. I'd yeah. recommend once the apocalypse kicks off, you just going out in your front yard and laying, <laughs> You've already said stripping that. down naked and laying prone. <laughs> Face you know, up. Nobody's answering the question of what scenario or how. how oh, is we it are. Gonna... I already know this scenario. What? The Bible taught. The Bible tells us a scenario. You're well, going. You don't know exactly how but, it's going to look on the ground. I mean, oh, it's going to look right. a lot like it looks right now. But what do you think the well, tipping point? This is what I was afraid you would do is get all like, <laughs> what do you think like specifically what, if you had to guess, what do you think the tipping point would be? There is no tipping point. It's like a boiling frog. We're, we're get we're getting boiled right now. We're, we're right. At, the water's pretty hot right now. We, everything's being prepped for, for the ushering in of the, the, the world uniting under a single authority <laughs> All currency being uniting, all currency being digitalized, you not being able to buy, sell, trade, anything without being a part of that system. And uh, and then about halfway through, once that single authority is set up and is basically controlling all of humanity across the globe, about halfway through that time span, people's going to learn real quick that wasn't such a good idea. <laughs> Things going to start to go downhill. But that's my question is what does that mean? Like food, like what 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 do you think will happen? Right, that's the thing. You don't know exactly what to prepare for. Do you prepare for a natural disaster? <laughs> Jeez. Do you prepare for food? I'm going that you can't prepare. Well, that's what I'm It's coming. Well, that's your answer then. Yeah. Exactly. You, you, that's my thing. Lay prone, man. Uh, I'll tell you how. <laughs> I have a I have a Two-week survival plan. <laughs> you go out in your front yard, get naked, and lay what, face up. What's the you, getting I, naked part have to do with anything? I saw nobody leave you alone. I saw nobody leave you alone. Wait, is prone face up? Well, prone just means... No, it's face down. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's no, the prone position. No, prone is just... You mean you're just going to get horizontal. Horizontal. <laughs> okay. That's all prone means. Yeah. Uh, no, I'll tell you how to prepare. Um... You you probably ought to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and uh, choose to follow Him, and you'll be good to go. That's great advice, but we weren't asking how to prepare. Well, what about buckets of food? Nah. What about Bitcoin? Nah. We have food. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. There's not there's nothing wrong with having some food storage if just that's that's not for the apocalypse. That's let's say a freaking tornado blows through here and blows out everybody's daggone power and water and everything else for, you know, three or four weeks. Then at least you, it's convenient for you to have a little something to eat there. But it, it, you, you ain't going to prepare. The apocalypse is the end of the age, right? There ain't no preparing for that. I, I think the to me the apocalypse means like the end of this this civilization that we're currently this digital age and i think it'll go down if it goes down i think it'll go down because we have made 
our power system and we've put everything on the internet and everything is so fragile and somehow something happens to that even temporarily and that begins the crash of everything that's how i think it would happen just turn the switch off well in the battle of armageddon i believe people are riding on horses and stuff well people still ride horses not much in the battle anymore no well, you guys skirted that question. Blake, do you have anything? Well, nobody can really say. I mean, it's pure that's, speculation. That's why it says, what scenario do you think would happen? Yeah. It's I'll gonna, tell you what I think is going to happen. The Antichrist is going to come in and the earth is going to be destroyed. Yes, but there will be things that are tangible to us now that will be happening in our country and in the world. And that was what the question was. But. We're we're just gonna. They, there's not gonna be one event that that does all this. It's a boiling frog, man. It's all leading to the end. Don't you like how he talks about this? Like he just knows for sure exactly. <laughs> well, that is kind. Well, I agree with him on that. Or for that on that, I, I, I do know for sure because I, I that's what the Bible tells us. That's what God tells us going to happen. Yeah, but he doesn't. He gives little details, but he doesn't give like down to the nitty gritty of like exactly what it's going to look like you're in a one fine mood today babe i can tell you just want to fight argue well you came up here you came up in here and screw you're screwing my podcast up you said you said i could do this well i thought you'd do a better job what's the next question i thought you'd do a better job than you're doing what's what's the worst pain you've ever experienced chili well i don't um I don't, what is, what is that? <laughs> I can answer that question. <laughs> what is it, Blake? I mean, since everybody knows what pain is, we, we, we ain't got to define pain necessarily for probably 98% of Can the- you exegete what the word pain is, please? <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I don't, what, what, what is that? Well, stop with the double chin and then what? Are you asking what pain is? Hey, I'm bulking. (laughs) Are you asking what pain is? Yeah. One time I was building this table. Uh, I was building this table. I used to be a master woodworker. And uh, (laughs) back before I learned how to, that you're supposed to pre-drill your holes for your screws. So I'd prep the band that goes around the bottom of the table, sanded it all nice. And I put a, put my screw in it and didn't pre-drill the hole and so the board split and made me real mad and i had a cordless drill in my hand and in a fit of rage i went to hit the board with the base of the drill like the battery but i had my finger out and i missed with the base of the drill and i actually hit it with my finger and the chuck of the drill hit the top of my finger and just busted the end of it like a grape (laughs) just Took it right all the skin right off the bone, and uh, I knew I'd done something wrong. Then I liked to pass out. The pain was that bad. Yeah, but I managed. And I stayed awake, and so we had to go get stitched up, and they ended up cutting it off because it died. The end of my finger died. So yeah, you got a nub now. Yeah, that's how I. That's that's <laughs> probably the worst pain I've felt. I guess that I can think of. What about that's you? Probably worse than childbirth. <laughs> I don't know. I hear wow. that's pretty rough. What uh, about childbirth you? Childbirth is overrated. 
What about you, boo? What's the worst pain you've ever felt? How do you know? I know it's overrated. Women don't don't feed into that. Don't. Women women want to talk like a childbirth so bad that See, just so they can. This this is how y'all know he's just in a mood to irritate people because he's making statements like that. He is literally just trying to piss people off on purpose. You know, YouTube hasn't figured that out yet. YouTube hasn't figured that out yet. Wow. Um, don't tell them my secrets, boo. Worst pain I ever felt is when my appendix decided to crap the bed on me. You remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was. Dad had paid me to go and sweep up a house that they were building. They just got done framing it up and drying it in, and I was in there with a push broom, sweeping all the construction trash up out of it. And my appendix decided to crap the bed. And that son of a gun, within the span of about 12 hours, had me doubled over in the fetal position. I couldn't even straighten out or move. I went to the hospital, and I didn't even I didn't even care what they had to do or wanted to do. I just wanted them to do something. I just said, I don't care what, what needs to be done. Oh, they try to tell me all oh, your appendix is this and that. And I said, I don't care. Just cut the dang thing out then because I can't live with this. <laughs> It's worse than childbirth. <laughs> no, I'm not even going. What to about you, boo? Um, I, the worst pain that I can remember having, <laughs> but I don't have good childhood memories. Like I don't remember most of my childhood. Was and I'm not saying this to be funny. I'm being genuine. Was getting a Brazilian wax. I only did it one time, and it was. I found out later the lady didn't do it right, and it was awful. You you don't get hurt very often. No. You're pretty careful. <laughs> I sound yeah. like one time I bumped my elbow on the door. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. One time I got a real, real deep paper cut. <laughs> what? It took that thing like three days to heal. The Brazilian wax? Do you know what that is? Yeah. You yeah. know. Yeah. You can't imagine uh, having all that hair ripped out from around. Is that where they wax your buttholes off? <laughs> yes. Y'all yes, know that? Did y'all know it used to be a thing they were bleaching people's buttholes? <laughs> did y'all know about that? Yeah, I think <clears throat> porn stars were doing it, weren't they? I don't know, man. I'm tell you what. If you are a human being and you take a notion to have your butthole <laughs> bleached, you might order just. <laughs> You might ought to just go somewhere and just dig a freaking hole and just live in that hole, man. Cause you 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 ain't gonna you ain't gonna make it. So, well, that you gave them the what for? <laughs> <laughs> you go dig a hole and just sit there and live. Because <laughs> you ain't gonna make it. Yeah, you ain't gonna make it, son. <laughs> Boy, you really gave them. <laughs> I gave them juggers what for, didn't I? <laughs> I can't. I can't. Oh, that was really a thing. I remember that being a thing. I remember thinking I didn't know. We're not supposed to. We got kids listening to this. Well, that's the thing. Man, he's acting just like you act usually. When I'm trying. I'm when trying. To, I know. Everybody has a butthole. What's wrong? What's wrong with talking about that? I'm because the kid in the back seat's gonna go. Well, why are people? Why would you bleach your butthole? Because people are foolish. 
Yeah, and do we need a topic to talk about? Yeah, we do. Um. Okay. Here we'll go. We'll go a little light. We'll go Blake's on. gonna be over there. <laughs> We're going. <laughs> gonna be. <laughs> I'm about. To, I'm about to take over here in a minute with the topic. Okay. How? Well. Okay. We're going Failing. nice here. Spiritual. How do you spread the message of the gospel without preaching the gospel? Is that possible? I mean, initially, I'd say. Don't think so. I mean, how how else would you spread the word of something without speaking words? It says the message of the gospel without preaching the gospel. I don't know if it was worded specifically <clears throat> that way. I mean, yeah, you can live your life a certain way, but I mean. So can a bunch of other people. Yeah. Yeah, you should. You can live your life a certain way. But eventually when somebody asks you why you're choosing to live this way. You're going to have to tell them. You're going to have to preach the gospel to them. Well, I just don't see how you could spread any message without saying it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Maybe well, you I could mean, buy one of them t-shirts. I guess you could write it down and then just go up to people and just not speak, but just say, make them read it. And I mean, I don't know. Like get, get one of them tracks. <laughs> you ever seen them old gospel tracks? Oh, people hand them to me all the time. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're you going to have to, you're going to have to be able to. Tell people what the reason is for why you are who you are. Uh, you're going to have to be able to tell them about the gospel at some point. I think I answered that too quick, but I don't see how you could spread any message without speaking. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, like because like you said, you could live a certain way. Yeah, that's a good answer. But how does that spread it? I mean, how does that... Like, anybody can live. I think the question is probably more tied into. Uh, I think the question might be getting more at the root of how can you preach the gospel without just preaching? Being, being a Bible thumper. Right. If you could, if you want to say that, like, how can you, how can you preach the gospel without people feeling like they're, like you're trying to shove it down their throat? I think that's more maybe what the question is, is trying to get at. Yeah, maybe. Right? And I feel like that's the, like Chili said, just living your life a certain way and almost making people curious as to what you got going on. You know? Mm -hmm. no, you wouldn't have to speak for that. I mean, you could tell them you follow Jesus, but hopefully the curiosity as to why your life seems so good and you seem so happy would be sufficient. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you can... And you can if if you're worried about making someone else feel condemned by preaching the gospel to them, well, just turn it around on yourself. It's that easy. Talk about yourself. Talk about how how you were and are such a wretched person and why you need Christ and what Christ did for you. And then at the end, just say, hey, and that's, I want you to know that's available to everybody. So, you know, you can always just turn the, 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 actually that's prop the best messages that I have ever preached have been messages that I have preached to myself, right? When I'm, I'm talking to other people, obviously preaching, but I'm actually talking to myself the whole time. And I use words like I and me and not you and them. 
And so that's a good way. That's a good way to get the message of the gospel across without making people feel condemned. Uh, and if they listen to the gospel and they take it on board, they're going to realize the same things about themselves uh, on their own accord. I like that. Um, another serious. How was that, Blake? It's good. Do you have anything to add, Blake? Mm-mm, not to that. <laughs> this That's one's well kind. Said. This one's kind of deep too. Um, I'm gonna read all three, and then you guys can just choose what you want to hone in on. Does the idea of demons or spiritual warfare discredit mental illness? Why do we sometimes only attribute demonic forces to super gruesome crimes and taboo sexual behaviors? Do we choose to overlook the sub subtle ways the devil is working in everyone? Is the flesh the devil? Sounds like somebody just watched the Nefarious movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give us a little commentary on that, Blake. Yeah, I watched that movie <clears throat> a couple days ago, and I mean, what I got out of the mo- basically the movie is about this guy that is possessed by a demon, and he killed these people now he's in jail he's about to go uh he's about to receive the death penalty but he has to be evaluated by a psychologist to deem whether he's sane or insane which will determine whether he receives the death penalty or not and so without spoiling the movie that's kind of the gist of it but um it deals a lot with that conflict though between mental illness and yeah. and demonic possession yeah yeah because the the demon in the guy talks a lot to the psychiatrist as the demon and also the guy he's real like you know he talks to him too but the demon's talking to him and and the psychologist is saying you know well you have um he gives you know i can't remember the disorder he says that he has and multiple personality disorder or something and the demon just laughs at him and he's like you know i don't have that and so he's basically saying what this person's asking is that um and this Bible, this movie is not. It is biblical, biblically based in a you know in a sense, but it's not strict by the Bible. Yeah, we haven't consulted Blaine on it yet. Yeah, <clears throat> but you know, just speaking to the movie, what I I mean, what I got out of it is that everybody's so distracted with, uh, is it okay to have long hair as a Christian? Is it okay to do this as a Christian? What about uh? Even the question, can you preach the gospel without saying the message? And and the demon in the movie, he laughs at all these distractions. And the psychologist says, what do you mean? We're as free as we've ever been right now. We uh, we can pick whatever. I think he says like something about we can pick whatever gender we are. There's no hate speech. We do whatever we want to do. We live how we want to live. And the demon just laughs. And he says, oh, yeah, you're right. Y'all are free. You keep living that way. And, uh, and it just... Brought to, I mean, really reminded me of how much is actually going on in the spiritual world, like the, you know, the demons and God and Satan and this whole spiritual hosts of wickedness. Yes, and how much we're distracted about the things that don't even really matter. Really, all that matters is the heart, and that's what we should care about with people: is their heart and not whether they have long hair or whether. 
I mean, even really, we talk a lot about fat people on here, but really whether those things might be a representation of your heart, but that's what the problem is, is your heart. doesn't matter if you're fat, long hair, gay, those kind of things. That's a reflection of your heart. It's not the actual, um, the actual act or, or symbol that is the issue. It's the heart that's the issue. And People get so distracted with the specific thing that's going on, and they think, well, if that person corrects that, then they're okay. Doesn't, they could still have a bad heart and not be gay and not be fat and have short hair. I mean... Please don't use the word gay anymore. You could have please. all of that. Shut up. And it doesn't... You can still have a bad heart. And so that's what it reminded me of was even myself, all the distractions in life, uh, even... And half the questions we get on there, I'm not saying stop asking the question. I'm just saying think about what really matters. I want to say something on that too. And by the way, by the way, the reason I made that comment is not to be disrespectful. It's because I've been reflecting upon myself, and I have been guilty of using words <clears throat> when the meaning has been misconstrued. And I've been guilty of using words with the assumption that everybody understands the word I'm using. Like when we did the. Doc, the uh, podcast on sound doctrine in Chile said, hold on a minute, what is doctrine? Well, I just assume everybody knows what knew what we were talking about. Well, we have to define these words, and so many words are being hijacked, and most especially the homosexual community is high, has hijacked so many words because there are not words, or there were not words, to describe their activities. We've actually had to create words to describe the activities that go on within the LGBTQ whatever community, right? We've had to create new words, and they've hijacked old words because in language, there was not a word to describe their activities because it was so far out of the realm of the natural activity of mankind. So that's why I'm so adamant about that. I'm trying to be more careful in my own life to actually define words better, use words better. I think it's the foundation of all conversation. As a matter of fact, would you agree, Chili? That defining words properly is the foundation of all conversation? Before we can have a conversation, we have to define the topic. Yeah. We have to define the word that we're using. You have to define the words you're using, or at That's least right. come to an agreement on what you are going to settle on is the definition That's right. to, to advance the, a debate or a discussion. Yeah, it's pretty pretty. And so, uh, on your question, I what I thought was interesting about that um, film Nefarious that Blake recommended to me was when, and, and this is in this is context toward the question you asked, Boo Boo, when the psychiatrist brings in the priest to talk to this demon possessed man, the priest comes in and the man that's demon possessed. Uh, gets real anxious and nervous. He doesn't want the priest in there. And the priest ultimately eventually says, you don't have to be uh, afraid of me being in here. Well, I'm he not. Says, I don't believe in. Yeah, he, he says, we've moved beyond the, the, the concept of demon possession. In other words, I know you're mentally ill. You're not demon possessed. We've, 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 our believing uh, our intellectual ability has moved beyond the belief of demon possession. So I'm, I'm here to talk to you about your mental health as a priest. I'm not here to talk to you about demonic influence as a priest. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the demon relaxes completely. Yeah, he says, oh, I'm glad you told me that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I have went, I've went back and forth over the last few years on my perspective on mental health. Um, 
well, yes, there's definitely, but the, the, the question is how, how much of the issues that humans are dealing with now, the mental health, health issues, whether it's bipolar, whether it's anxiety, whether it's, um, whatever, multiple personalities, all these mental health things that, that are out there now, all the diet, the, the probably hundreds of diagnoses, how many of those things are being caused by the influence of some member of this spiritual host of wickedness that exists and influences humanity, and how many of those things are being caused by some physical imbalance in in brain chemical? And the answer is, I personally, I mean, how, I personally do not know for sure. My opinion would lead more towards the side of the things that we categorize as mental health issues and we try to put the symptoms off or, or say the symptoms are caused by brain chemical and physiological imbalances, my opinion would be the majority of those things are actually being brought about by the influence of demonic oppression on the human. All right? That would be my opinion. We can't see the spiritual realm. Uh, we can't see... Uh, and, and another thing, it's interesting to me that as far as I know, and you correct me if I'm wrong, please, as far as I know, many of the concepts or many much of the information that's out there speaking on the functions of the brain and brain chemicals and these things, many of these things are just theoretical in the medical field. It, but, they, but they speak of the brain and they speak of these brain chemicals and these brain imbalances and all this stuff. They speak of them as it's fact, as it's definitive. But if the doctor tells you, well, you've got this thing, this chemical in your brain, that's off and it's causing this mental illness. Is there a test where they measure that brain chemical and actually see that, oh yeah, this person is deficient in this brain chemical, whatever the whatever it is? I just think a lot of the conversation around mental illness and in, in the human brain, we don't understand it. And but medical professionals talk about these things as if they're fact. When in all reality, their diagnoses are based off of theories um, that are basically their way, they're the only way to explain what is happening to the person. Because the only it's it's either physiological or it's what we're saying is spiritual. So if you're not gonna lean into the fact that it could potentially be spiritual influence. Well, you have no other option than to lean into the fact that it's, or, or try to come up with a theory that says it's a physiological influence. Mm -hmm. I just don't know how much of what doctors say is actually measurable, factual things. So that's my take on it. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I haven't studied it a lot. I don't know how many people that are would have what you would say is a mental illness are ever cured, like schizophrenia or whatever you know whatever the list of diagnoses are how many of them are ever 
And that's an interesting question because the medications that are prescribed to people for mental illness, well, it basically, to a certain extent, depending on the medication, numbs them. Yeah. That's not a cure. Right. Like, it's it's numbing them to the point that it's removing the evidence of the side effect. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's not, it didn't cure them. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Without, you know, that's... Um, and by the way, congratulations to you, Biscuit. Oh, thank you. If you want to tell the people what you did, because it's a big deal. Thanks. Really, it is. What were you saying, Blake? No. <laughs> when you, when, and when you look at someone... <clears throat> the reason I gave Brooke a congratulations is because when we talk about curing, like someone is cured... Um, I see not, not that Brooke won't probably still have struggles, but she is at, she's at a point yesterday was the first day. Can I tell people this? Yeah. yeah. Yesterday was the first day that she didn't have to take her SSRI for anxiety for like two years. Yeah. It's so yesterday was the first day she, she needs, she didn't need any medication. That's, I don't like the way wording it need. It's well, like I've been tapering off of yeah, it for a while, but yeah. you can't you can't just stop so, taking it. So that in my mind is is a she is cured. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I disagree with that. I really do appreciate you celebrating that. And I know everything you're saying right now is celebrating it with me. But I don't I wanna go back and I'll talk about this too, but I wanna go back to the spiritual stuff. Um, because I've been in a position where like not this last go around with the panic attacks that was related to a Kratom issue. This was when I was going to Regent university and I had been clean for two years and I was just in like what felt like such a great mental spot. And I was so grateful. I was using Chad's GI bill to go back to college and our life was really good. Life was just good. I was just like really grateful to be sober and I wanted to go back to school to help other people with addiction. And all of a sudden, I started having these debilitating panic attacks. The first one I had, I thought I was dying. I pulled over on the side of the highway and called Chad and was like, I think I'm having a heart attack. I need you to come pick me up and take me to the hospital. And he was like, oh, okay. And they told me, your EKG looks good. We think you might be having a panic attack. And I was like, no, you guys are crazy. Like, I feel fine. My life is so good. I'm not stressed. Like, you guys are nuts. I didn't have a panic attack. Something is wrong. And there was no drugs. There was nothing involved. It was, I don't know how other to drive home that life was really good. That led into a season that lasted like six months for me where it was like the best way I can describe it is like my mind was torturing me. It was just, I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel safe to other people. I thought about self-harm. I thought about awful things and I didn't want to think about these things. It's almost like the thoughts, they just come, even if you pray, even if you try to exercise and I mean, all, I tried everything. And it was just oppressive. And I, I didn't want to be alone. I was I was terrified to be alone with my own thoughts for a really long time. And I know some people will understand that. And But if you haven't experienced it, you can't understand 
being scared of your own mind. Um, but I remember when that was going on, you kept saying, and it was totally out of love, but you kept saying, I think you're under attack. I think you're under spiritual attack. And I'm over here like, no, dude. Like, I just got done using drugs for like seven years that altered the chemistry of my brain. And I'm trying to heal and things are going sideways. And at the time I was working on becoming a believer, but I felt like you saying it was a spiritual attack was discrediting what was happening to me. And then I also started praying because I kind of believed you. So I started reading, praying, crying, just please God help me. Like whatever I need to do to take this away, I'll do it. Like tell me. And it just kept on for months. And it, it, that was really hard for my faith too. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, if this is spiritual, I have this husband who is like, just so devoted to Christ. And I'm over here like leaning in, trying to become a believer. And I'm, I'm opening myself to God with that. What feels like rock bottom. And I, it's just getting worse, you know? And it was just, it was a sticky, it was just hard. Mm -hmm. I think, I think people just need to be careful if they do believe their loved one who is struggling with some kind of mental illness, if they do believe it's a spiritual attack, I think they need to be thoughtful about the way, if if they even need to express that to the person. Because mm-hmm. I don't think it, I don't think it helps. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, it makes total sense. Yep. Another thing I was just thinking about that movie that, that stood out to me, um, is the psychologist says, well, if you're a demon, I give you free reign. Go ahead and possess me. Mm-hmm. And, and the demon doesn't. And he says, we can't just possess people. He says, it's a series of yeses that we need before we possess them. And he you know, says, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, it starts with a, a stolen truck at three years old. And then at five years old, a grandmother's a gift of a Ouija board gives us, um, a, you know, access to his decision-making abilities and then just this this long list and it just made me think you know kind of like chad was talking about the boiling frog where you know you don't boil a frog by turning the heat wide open you do a little bit and let him get used to it a little bit more before you know it the water's boiling and it's the same thing you know made me think about my kids it made me think about myself and how like a, a lie from your kids yeah okay it's just a lie or you know, a little disobedience here. It's just a little disobedience. But before long, all that stuff is strung together and it's created this person who has been a liar, thieving, disobedient, all of the, and the same thing with us, even after we're adults, you, um, the little things you do, the little things you start to drift from what you know is right, you justify it. Mm -hmm. You say, that's just a little bit. And then a little bit and a little bit, and you're used to that warmer water each time. And before you know it, you're in boiling water. And that that the bib, I mean that principle, that's how it that's how it works. There's examples in the Bible of it, and that's that's Satan's tool. Uh, it's the what is being used, you know, overall for humanity now, and it and it works on us um, if we're not conscious of it, aware of it. 
it works on us individually too. You mm-hmm. just gradually drift. That's what they say. Drift away. You know, you don't. You're not just uh, take a straight shot out and you're gone. It's just little by little by little. And uh, you know the things that you went through and dealt with, Brooke, and you know that I'm sure was gradual too. You know, you you didn't just one day wake up. You're like I'm addicted to drugs, right? I mean, that was probably a gradual process. Yeah. And then also that's so for you being conscious of that, you probably have to be hyper aware of those little mm-hmm. things that's going on in your life because you've already been there. And it'd probably be easy to snap back to that. So you're probably hyper aware of those little things that are coming up and cause, you know, maybe patterns you see or whatever it is uh, so that you don't fall back into where you were. And I think whoever asked this question, like really alluded to that in their question. Um, Why do we sometimes um, only attribute demonic forces to super gruesome crimes and taboo sexual Mm -hmm. behaviors but choose to overlook the subtle ways the devil's working in everyone Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's what you just said is like you hear about somebody getting murdered and some you know something happens where a mother kills her kids or some kind of sex crime that's just horrific and we're like that's just pure evil that is evil Mm -hmm. but we that's don't, the final, that's the, that's the result. That's the end result. But yeah, but we don't look at, like you said, the, the building of a habit to lie a lot or be yeah. greedy, or we don't look at that and be like, this man, the that's heart. evil. Yeah. Th- those are acts of the heart, right? So their heart became that terrible that they were able to commit that act because of all the past. I mean, if you were in, if you could be in that person's mind up to that point, you'd probably see that progression. You know, yeah. Most of the time, plumb back to childhood. Yeah, and I think, in light of that observation, and also in light of Brooks' uh, account of her own experience that she had, which is great to be able to have somebody here that can speak to that, that's lived through it, and that's now where she is now. Um, there's there's two things that I wanted to point out. The first one that grad in that gradual progression, uh, and then Brooke spoke specifically about her drug use for seven about seven years. You said right, baby, mm-hmm. and how that changed your brain chemistry, which is what medical science tells us. Now, the other the the flip side. So that I think the two ideas can coexist together: the idea of it changing your brain chemistry, but also the idea of the during that seven year time span also you were being more and more and more and more influenced and controlled um by some host of wickedness by some by some demonic force now the reason i say those can coexist is because i believe that medicine i believe that medicine has a very or is a very very strong tool of satan mm. if we look at the the root word actually of pharmacy chili do you know about this pharmacia pharmacia it's basically r- rooted in witchcraft that's right is that right chili i mean that's what pharmacia is referring to in the uh uh bible okay all right yeah so actually the root word is foundationally rooted in 
witchcraft. And I believe that certain types of these medicines are forms of witchcraft, which allows, and, and, and I believe that it can be tied to a demon. And at the same way, the way that the demon is using that medicine is to change the chemical balance of the human brain. Right, so that's how it's it's actually producing a physiological response in the natural wor- world, but um, so I believe those two ideas can really be intertwined. So you know, and then the last thing I want to say because we talked about how it was a, is a gradual series of yeses to the point that you have reached ultimate, just total. You're being dominated by a, by a demonic oppression. I believe that in some cases also the recovery from that can be a gradual series of saying yes to the right things. Mm-hmm. And so if it takes you a decade to get to the to the rock bottom, when you decide then to accept Christ, it might, I think, could possibly take a decade for you to undo that oppression by a gradual series of yeses and understanding of Christ and and seeking and knocking and asking and and so I believe that can be the case too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't know, baby, I've just watched you over the last what now? 7 8 years. I I've, I've just watched you just seek and knock and ask and and change the things that you're saying yes to and 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 change and, and and yeah, you 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 get you, you still had hiccups. We like we all do. We still we take two steps forward, and sometimes we get knocked one and a half steps back, or maybe three steps back, and then we got to take we got to start again, right? So that can be a gradual process too, and and I think that process, um, yeah, man, you get you you do get to the point where you finally do feel free. You should, but uh, but you still have to be aware of yourself. That process is a lifelong yeah. journey. And if you think about possession of the Holy Spirit, it's really a series of yeses too. First, yeah. you, you kind of have the yes of like, all right, I'm willing to consider this. Yes, I'm going to look into this it, before the final yes of salvation and, mm-hmm. and your or yes, I'm going to say no to this. Yeah. yeah, like a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know that is also a a series of yeses too. So well, another question I, I have more to say about the SSRI, and it really does lead into a totally separate question about whether to rely on our medical system and doctors to help you with health situations or to trust God and. It, is there a balance to that? Is there like a pull, you know, and I, I want to go there, but first I want to talk real quick about like the statement you were just making about you believe that Satan can use drugs as a tool. Yeah. And by drugs, I mean, I mean, pharmaceutical drugs, not like, I, I mean, obviously saying it's all the same, yeah. really, whether but, it's heroin or, or whatever opiates or alcohol or yeah so you're right then when you say it's all the same you're talking about like the you're talking about like the addictive you're not talking about like pharmaceuticals or you're saying it's all the same i i think i think that the drug drugs that basically alter your state of mind okay yeah 
I, so I have had no issue talking openly about my addiction or like awful things that have happened to me that like, I think for a lot of people would carry a lot of shame and guilt and things that I've done. And I've been able to like share those without shame, which is just a blessing. And I think it means that God's using me how he wants something that I have always felt embarrassed and shame around is sharing with people that I take an SSRI. And I think that's weird. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a representation of, I don't know if it's, I know it's mostly me, but I think some of it also is our culture. Um, and it, for people that don't know, an SSRI is a serotonin, a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. And serotonin is it, it, what makes you feel kind of calm and satiated. And so people with anxiety or depression can take these medications and your body will get rid of excess serotonin that it's not using in the brain. And this medicine will prevent the reuptake so you have extra. Um, but I don't know, even going on it. So they put me on it the, my, in 2015 when I got clean. There was a protocol that if you came in for opiates they would immediately put you on an SSRI. And at that point, I was so whacked out, I did whatever they told me to do. I didn't ask any questions. Um, but I think, like, the, the amount of Americans that are on SSRIs or antidepressant drugs is, like, staggering. I mean, it is staggering. So, I don't know. Yeah, um, and I'm, it's interesting too because you know those the the SSRIs are apparently um, extremely difficult for a lot of people to get off of. So it's it's, yeah. it's 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 interesting to me how they're how the medical field chooses to replace one pill for for another pill, um, but you know I. I just, you know, if you guys listen to Andy Frisilla, he just got off of an SSRI that he had been on for, like, I think he said 10 years or something. And he, he talks about how freaking just brutal it was. It's rough. Getting off of that thing, man. Um, So, I don't know, man. And, and, again, I think there's another way that d- d- a demonic force can can use a medicine like an SSRI because that shame that, that you're, that you're feeling about taking that, like that shame is coming. Shame is one of the, 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 the most powerful tools that a demon can use against you because there's something you got to carry around with you, man. You got to carry that around with you. And shame is a heavy load, even just a little bit of shame. You put it in your pack, it weighs you down real bad from day to day. So, you know, that that is without a doubt not coming from anything good, you know, so. Yeah, I, I don't, because of my history with prescription medicines and abuse and it nearly killing me, I really don't like medicine. I wish if I could go back in time, I wish that that treatment center, instead of immediately putting me on an SSRI, would have really emphasized 
the things that I value today that have helped me get off the SSRI, which yeah, is... but that doesn't make any money. Right, which is like community, diet, exercise. I mean, all the sunlight, just just living a good, wholesome lifestyle. But that, like you alluded to earlier, I was only using for seven years, which for most people is pretty small. It, even if you find Christ the day you get clean, that doesn't mean you're going to heal automatically. Not for everyone, no. And I think I think SSRIs and a lot of of drugs are very helpful for people. Um I think they're overprescribed and I think they're a crutch for people to not have to do the work to heal themselves a lot of times. And I think that's where the problem lies. But I think that if you're doing the work and you've checked the boxes that we all know. Sleep is a huge one that I didn't list a second ago. Um, and you're still really struggling. You've gone to a therapist. You know, I mean, everybody knows these things by now. They're all cool right now. So obviously we all know them. And and you want to try a medication because you're, I don't know. That's all by design, though. There's a ton of people on here saying that they're on those SSRIs. And I wonder... I mean, probably like 15 I or mean, something. I would love to know if people, you know, that that's, people but, feel shame about it. But like, that's that's by design. You you said it's, it's, a, it's a... They're providing something that's going to give you some instant relief. I forget what you said earlier, just a minute ago, but um, you talked about how they're over, over-prescribed. Very over-prescribed. And that's because... This is all a business. You're exactly Health, right. Healthcare in general is a for-profit business. You're exactly right. I mean, thank God there are doctors and surgeons who can put you back together when you get screwed up or can perform emergency surgeries to give you, you know, extra years of life, right? Like, yes, that is amazing. If there is something legitimately wrong with you, Go to the doctor. When, when, when my appendix crapped the bed, guess what I did? I got to the emergency room as fast as I could possibly get there. But it, it, you always have to keep in mind when you're in these places, once they kind of patch you up, like anything beyond that, it is a for-profit business. I and I, I would love to one day if it if it ever even comes out, you, you look at specifically you look at cancer, mm-hmm. um, and that is a massive machine. It's pe- people are so selfish, man. They that's the problem. Like you go to get treatment, and they say, "Oh, we get this, this, and this." Some doctors. Or just doing what they're taught, right? I mean, you have control of the training, then that's what I, every doctor is going to tell you. Right. Uh, but some of them know better, and then the people that are providing that training probably know better. And you just have to, I, I mean, you question everybody's motive. Like, okay, I see that you say I should take this, but what's your motive in that? Is it because it's going to make me better or make you more money? Yep. You know, like, yeah, it's going to produce some degree of, of, effect or, or you know seemingly healing me but it's going to make you a lot of money so that then i'll keep coming back and getting it and people that's just this pure selfishness as yeah. well as all it is yeah. they care about i mean evil but they care about their money and themselves more than they care about your well-being well-being 90 percent 
of the medicines that people are on are to mask the symptoms of some issue that they're having physiologically, but there is, by by all common, like a doc, doctors have no excuse. A doctor knows when they put somebody on a medicine that because they've eaten themselves to death, essentially given themselves type 2 diabetes, or their blood pressure's through the roof because their their sleep and their diet is terrible. Like they all know, hey, I this person doesn't need this medicine. They yeah. they just need to sleep better, eat better, and exercise. Yeah, but the reality of some people like we have people in our lives right now that will not fix themselves. So it's medication or die. Yeah. That's right. And I think doctors they're know that they're willfully too. participating right. in, in the in the industry. Well, yeah, exactly. It it's a supply like I went this last prescription I got um for my SSRI. She's like, Oh wait. The doctor was like, Hold on, I'll be right back. And she came back with this sack full of little bottles of my medication. She was like, Here, this has been here for forever and we're not gonna use it, so you don't have to pay for a prescription. I was like, What is this? And she's like, oh, it's samples that the drug rep drops off. And we've had people close to us before, and the psychiatric medicines are huge for the drug reps. And they go and they take doctors out to lunch. They give them gift cards. They, I mean, it's... it's yeah, they're pharmaceutical it, salesmen. It's they're lobbyists. Dr- they are yeah. drug dealers. They're lobbyists. So I totally agree like even though I am a proponent and I do believe that SSRIs helped me get, transition. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to put it. Transition. I do think that people should wait as long as humanly possible to where like you are not able to function, you know, before you jump on that bandwagon. Because I, I did look Blake at the chat and there is a lot of people talking. And the biggest thing people are talking about is like a couple of people on here said, I've been on them too long. I can't get off now. And yeah, it seems brutal. It's by awful. all accounts. It's awful. And and somebody, uh, Jimmy said you have to wean slowly like over months or a year. And it's taken me almost a year to get off of them. And it's yeah, you don't wanna and you only have to be on them for a couple months before you have to wean like that, or you'll just you can make yourself worse than you were before. Um, Lady Smith said, "Treatment is one, if not the great killer. Ain't that the truth? The treatment that that they give you today, mm-hmm. the great killer. Yeah, yeah. Well, what a great business to be in. They have they have in a daggone inexhaustible um, source of customers, willful customers. Yep. And then they have the other side." Saying, eat and do these things so that you can also get fat and take our medicine. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever the, yeah. you know, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Yeah, all it's of all intertwined. You're yeah. exactly right. It's, it's all uh, intertwined. I think. And the root of it all is the love of money. Yeah. The yeah. root of it, you can trace it all down to that root. I, money is not evil. The love of money is evil. Yeah. Don't get that misconstrued with what the Bible says. It's okay for you to live a good life and have some extra money to do the things that you desire to do and all that. 
the love of money is traced down to the root cause of every bit of this. And the love of money, what's driving that? Satan is driving the love of money. So it's it's all intertwined. I've thought about that. Like, I'm not educated enough on it to know, but I'm curious. Like, places that have socialized medicine, which I would not want. No, go to the VA. See how you like that. Yeah, we have some good stories from that. But that aren't as incentivized on numbers and and patients and, like, do they have similar numbers of people on medications? Or is it... Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like, we have the freedom to the more patients you have, the more money you make. And I think doctors in a lot of socialized countries are capped. Like, you get this salary no matter how many people you see and how many medications you prescribe. Yeah, it's government. It's not a private. Right. I would be curious. That would be an interesting statistic. To see. Although, no matter what that statistic says, I do stand with you. I would not ever advocate for government-controlled health care. No. The government cannot do anything. Nope. Right. Nothing. I think I'm still waiting on AI to take over the DMV. Well, Is they're it? doing a lot of things right, just not what we would not what we would like. I mean, they're they're carrying out like Chili said the people ain't dumb. They know what they're doing. And they're good at it. So, look, I I'm curious and I want y'all to be like brutally honest even if it's it's biased like how do you if you guys meet somebody that is seemingly healthy you know they work out they exercise and you find out they're on a psychiatric medication that can be ssri that can be something for bipolar that could be i mean name it does that impact the way you look at that person uh not for me no not at all no i don't i don't I mean, well, I don't see what, uh, I don't, I would be curious, I mean, I would be curious how that would change somebody's perspective of somebody, because I'm not aware of why that would change, I mean, that's a piece of data that I didn't have, okay, this person's on that, I mean, okay, like, they have a, they have an issue probably that they're trying to fix. So you would think, okay, they have a medical They're trying something, yeah, I mean, I don't doesn't change how I would see a per- like. What about you, Boo? Absolutely not. A- absolutely not. If, if I see someone who, if I meet someone who tells me they're they are on some uh, medication for for psychiatric care, like you said, and they're they're doing what they know to do with their diet and their fitness and and their sleep and their you know own environment. Um, absolutely not it doesn't because what the crap who am i to judge them i'm addicted to freaking nicotine man like why why don't i i I can look at myself and and i am so i so want to address this topic well real quick let me just say i I know but yeah that's that that's the answer to my question no negative you can have the time to address that but we're not talking about people my question was not people addicted to medication it was like because I don't, I don't think I was addicted to they're, my SSRI. I get what you're saying. They're using, they, they are, they are using a, a prescribed, a prescribed medication, medication as directed to help them right. with whatever it is they're dealing with. Do do I agree with that? Well, 
I don't I don't know the person's whole story. I mean, my bias would be no, I don't agree with that. But does that make me look at that person any differently? I think Heck no. I think that's the way to answer it. Like any piece of data you get about somebody will affect how you see them in some sort of a broad way. But it, if you're asking, like, would that make me think less of that person? No, not at all. That's the way. I think that's a better clarification. Yeah, of that's my what point. I was going to say. I wouldn't think less of them, but it would make me think, like, wonder what they're going through to why they have. I mean, to any this you, you hear anything? Somebody tells you anything about them, it makes you think, okay, you know, that's a new piece of data. That, but, but I don't know why that would make you think less of a person because they were on an SSRI. Yeah. If just so when you start thinking less of people, look at yourself. Be honest with yourself. Well, if you if you start to go down that road where you start to think less of people around you, just go ahead and look at yourself. Well, a lot of people are looking at themselves and they're saying, "I'm doing good." <laughs> well, that's why I said, "Look at yourself honestly." Yeah. Okay. Well, I because mean, they can't. A lot, right. I bet eighty. I don't know a statistic. A lot of people will look at themselves and they can't see. Correct. That they'll say. You, you, yeah, that person screwed up, and I'm looking at myself, and that's how I know they're screwed up, because I ain't. And you, dang Christian, you are the worst, all right? You know what the Holy Spirit of Christ does? Has, what, what, the, what scripture in Romans says the Holy Spirit of Christ does when, it enters into, when he enters into you as a believer? You have a waning desire for sin. All right, your your desire for sin begins to wane. At the same time, your awareness of how sinful you are increases. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And I don't know why Christians can not and will not accept the fact that they are inherently sinful. That sin is indwelling in them literally from the moment they were conceived. Before they even leave, before you even left the womb, but your nature is sinful. That's got to be something that is revealed to them on their own time between them and God because you're so passionate about this right now because this has been revealed to you recently. You've always known it, right? But the depth at which you know it now is deeper than you did, right? I'm passionate about it because it is scripturally true. I re- I reject the notion that you can ever be sinless. I reject, no, scripture rejects the notion that you can ever reach a moment of perfection, even for an instant. Chad does not reject that script that that scripture rejects that what is it in paul in romans chapter 7 when he says although i want to do good there is something within me that makes me do what i do not want to do that inclines my heart to to doing things that i do not want to do that is your inherent sin christian scripture says in psalm 50, I think one that I wrote about this morning from the moment of conception, you are born with a sinful nature. I reject the idea that any human being can be sinless, even for an instant. It is your nature, your fallen nature that is, that makes you inherently sinful. 
The Holy Spirit, again, will wane your desire for that sin. But at the same time, your knowledge and awareness of your sinfulness increases. That is what Scripture says. And you, Christian, can accept the fact that you have indwelling sin in you. You know why? Because you're too self-righteous. Yes, the Bible says, be holy for I am holy. Yes, the Bible says, don't sin. Yes, the Bi that is the standard. Guess what? You can't meet that standard. You are sinless in the eyes of God because of the blood of Christ. You are not sinless in your actions. I've been Get that straight, man. You said something. And I was listening, I like what you just said, boo. But I had written down in my notes like two months ago, something I've been working on um, that's been really difficult for me is learning to scrutinize the way I believe about myself and the way I believe about other people. Mm -hmm. and then I've been doing some like mindfulness. It's not weird juju. All it is is being able to separate yourself from your thoughts enough to like, okay, is that something that like aligns with the way I want to live? Or is that thought like just of the flesh is a good way to say it. But I feel like I meet a lot of people who can't like, say you're frustrated with someone else's behavior because it doesn't fit your style or your pattern of living, or it doesn't match what you value. Like, are you able for me? I ask myself like, I'm trying to think of a good example. Oh, I have a great example. Like, time is really important to me. Like, being on time. Mm -hmm. Super important to me. This is a very small example on the scale of what I'm trying to say that relates to what you just said, babe. But when people don't show up on time or they're late and they don't let me know and it impacts my work day or it impacts me in a negative way, I assume that they don't respect me and they don't respect my time. Mm -hmm. That's not true. I have some, actually my three best friends all are more of a personality type that they just kind of float and they time man, like time is not as valuable to them. But since it is to me, I can attach that label that they're disrespectful and they don't care, mm -hmm. but that's not true. But if I don't have, if I don't have the ability to look at that flaw within myself, then I'm just going to be angry and it's just going to damage my relationships. But if I'm able to scrutinize the way I feel about them and my little self-righteous thing, I'm always on time. Why can't they be on time? You know, I've, I've, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I, I feel like, like you said, boo, to me, more practically, it's like being real about the fact that you are so imperfect and everybody around you is so imperfect. We we do not, humans do not want to accept that part of their nature as fallen man. Because when you accept that part, when you accept or when you realize that that is what scripture, what God tells you about you, you cannot ever become self-righteous. You can't. It's impossible in light of the realization of 
your nature so how does as that, a fallen human. How does that play into being like in a confident in a healthy way? Does that make sense? That question makes sense. It is the it is the thing that produces the the most joy in in your heart as a believer. The most thankfulness for the blood of Christ. The fact that you are sinful by nature, but you are you have been pardoned. You sit before in God's eyes you are seen as a sinless being by the blood of Christ thank God praise the Lord like with it it is it is a key element of understanding I think you know it's talking about confidence practically like you're just talking about day-to-day life like confident in the things you do and yes. the way you act and so I mean, I think if you know how, if you know that you're doing what God has called you to do and you are seeking him and his will, then you should be so confident because of the power of Jesus that is within you, not because of your own ability. So you should still have, you should have even greater confidence than you would if you didn't believe that because when you recognize the power of God and that he's within you, giving you the ability to do it, then you literally can't fail at the mission he's calling you to do. So, you know, it depends on what area you're talking about of being confident, but it's getting as specific as what it is that you're called to do. I would think it would give you much more confidence. I I can give you a quick, like what I was talking about earlier, one of my goals for this year about being able to scrutinize my own. A lot of times I scrutinize my own motives and that's been a big theme for me is like, I think I'm doing something out of humble love and I'm sometimes it's selfish Mm -hmm. and it takes a really big for me, self-awareness to know the difference. And sometimes I just don't know. And so that for me is the confidence thing of like being able to look at your own behavior so subjectively that you can know, or at least always be questioning whether you're doing the right thing, but also at times being like, yeah, I am doing the right thing. Like I've checked myself and I've checked my motives and like, I know my heart and I think, yeah. Yes. And, and praise the Lord for endowing you with the responsibility to do something right. Finally, that's the way I look at myself. You, we, we talk about confidence and we put so much, we put so much emphasis on being confident as believers. Are we even right in thinking that way? The only thing that I am confident in is the blood of Christ. That is it. I am not confident in myself. I am not confident in my ability to do what's right. I am only confident in the the power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross to atone for my mistakes and reconcile me back to my creator. I'm confident in that. Should we stand confident before God? Yes, by the blood of Christ. But how does God, what does God want us to feel about ourselves? Read the Beatitudes. Read Psalm 51. The sacrifices to God, the sacrifices to God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. 
That's that's how God can, wants us to approach him. Can you him. read that again? The sacri- the, so if you read the whole psalm, David is this this psalm comes from uh, the prophet. Um, let's see, the prophet Nathan confronts David after his sin with Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. Okay, and David in this psalm is basically admitting his sin to God, and he goes through leading up to this verse saying. God is not looking for cows and lambs and birds and all these things to sacrifice on the on the altar to him. What God's looking for from you, what is the sacrifice from you to God? It is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Approach God. How can you not... When you approach the throne, when I approach the throne of Christ in prayer, how can I not feel broken and contrite in, in the in the light of His power and perfection? How? It's impossible. If you comprehend His power and perfection, it will crush you. It does me. Dang, I just dropped the mic. <laughs> this is the gospel. This is this is scripture. This is not Chad. I really the host went mute. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of what to say. So I really, I think I understand exactly what you're saying, and I really appreciate your gifting for the way that you can talk about scripture. I sometimes struggle to like put it into like my day to day from what you say. Does that make sense? Like I have trouble taking that. Like it, it, it will nearly sometimes bring me to tears when I approach the Lord Jesus in prayer and his perfection his love, his majesty, his power crushes me. I will almost be moved to tears. Then immediately as I am crushed, I become confident in his blood. I become confident in his sacrifice. I become confident in his death and his resurrection, his the power of his blood to atone for the reason I am being crushed. That's where my confidence lies, is in, is in that. Can you not take that confidence and if you believe that God has given you a gift to use in this life to promote, like you. I mean, I feel like you're very confident as a person like in your running, in your podcast, and the way you train people. And I think you should be because I think that those are your giftings that to me it seems like what God's given you to use to impact people here and to bring people to salvation. I'm good at portraying confidence. It was interesting the other day we went into the speaking engagement. Y'all remember when that guy asked me on that video? Remember, I think, I think they were actually talking about being confident 
prior to me getting up and speaking and how important it is yeah. to be confident. And I got up, did the speech, Q&A came up. One of the people in the crowd, we did Q&A. He said, well, hey, how do you develop that type of confidence that you showed in the film, Just One Mile? He watched it, you know, and, and the whole time I'm talking in that film, like, hey, I'm unbeatable. Nobody can beat me. I'm going to crush this dude. This is just no contest. He was like, how, how do you develop that kind of confidence? I said, oh, that was all just a facade. I didn't know I could win. I didn't know what was going to happen. That's the reality that lingers in the back of every, per, should linger in the back of every person's mind. I'm good at portraying confidence as a, in some circumstances, as a tactical move. In some circumstances, I'm trying to convince myself that I can actually do what I don't think I can do. But I don't. I, I am it, it, lingering in the back of everyone's mind. It, if if these if the human is is confronting the reality of every situation, <laughs> you got nothing to be confident about, man. I will say that you know we're talking about all of these things, and we're talking about the incapability of human beings, and. If you're struggling and you're sitting there thinking like, oh, man, I, I don't know. I, I see that the Bible says that. I believe what Chad says, but I, it, I don't see that about myself. Then uh, if you are a Christian, then I would challenge you to pray for God to search your heart because if we are as incapable as we are letting on, we are also incapable to recognize our own flaws and our own in inabilities. So for you to say that I see that about myself then you've just shown that you have some capability that you actually don't. You see that about yourself because God has revealed that to you. It's been revealed to you. And yes. so mm. my Everything. example to that is with selfishness. And I know the Bible talks about being selfless and not being selfish. And it wasn't until, you know, maybe a year ago, I realized the depth of my own self. I realized by God showing me the depth of my own selfishness oh, in well, ways became... that I was... That way. You became more aware of your sinfulness, huh? Yeah, but through the power of God revealing that to me. It wasn't anything that I, like, I knew that about myself. That doesn't take away the truth of it, but it does change the understanding of it. And the, the uh, yeah, I think understanding's the best word. So I just know that, I mean, I know you're feeling that way a little bit. That's why you keep asking these kind of probing questions of, well, what about my day-to-day -day life how does that work and um absolutely you know I'm, I'm kind of trying to question my own motives a little bit more because you say you're what i hear you saying is i know those things are true i know the bible says them. I, that doesn't take away the fact but i don't really understand or see that as clearly as you do yep. and i think you have to pray and god has to reveal that to you in your own timing it's not you can't just decide okay yep i'm i want to i want to see myself that way and so Boom, it hits me every... I understand it. Yeah. I see God's power. I see my inability. The truth is still there, but your understanding of it and revelation of it has to come from God. Or, right. you, or you're more capable than you're saying that, you're, than you are. Well, yeah, and, and you nailed it. Like when Chad talks about being in prayer and feeling so emotional he might cry and feeling crushed by the Lord, and it sounds very emotional to me. 
It sounds like a an experience. It's overwhelming. That's like emo like I know we don't like that emotional, but that's the way I perceive what you're saying. I don't have those experiences right now. And I've listened to a couple of preachers that I really like who said that their walk with Christ was very pretty benign. Like it was great and he knew that they were working he was working in their lives and they saw the fruits, but there weren't fireworks and there weren't upwellings of near tears and like that that's not a prerequisite to be saved like if you're not having those really powerful experiences that doesn't mean your faith is any less than anyone else's um but i do i do struggle to like relate to that and i'm like well you know you have these experiences and i'm like well how can i take what we're saying and apply it to the way yeah, you you get yeah you yeah. got what I was saying. But you got to be you know everybody. We've talked about this before too, and the things of the Bible are true for everybody that believes them. But everybody has their own unique callings, giftings, abilities, whatever you want you know whatever you want to call them that God has given you to carry out, and they're going to be totally unique. Uh, they might look similar in some ways, but other people sharing their testimony and their experiences should just give credit to the power of God, not a pathway to how you can experience that comparison's Mm -hmm. great. And so you just have to, when Chad gets on here and talks and shares his stories, you should say, man, God is good. Look at, look at what he's done in Chad's life. Not, man, that's awesome. Um, I'm not having that. I wonder how I could have some of those right? experiences. Exactly. Am I doing things right? Or I, you can't judge. You can't base your salvation. You can't base your your uh, you know walk with God. Or measuring how well you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, how God works in other people's lives is not the standard for your life. Correct. It, what the Bible says is the standard, and you do your own walk, and that's how you're going. That's how you're going to have the stories to share, like anybody else is sharing. Yeah. You better base your salvation on the shed blood of Christ, and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Are you all ready to transition to to work towards wrapping it up? Yeah, I'd say it's about that time. We've been over going at this joker for 90-something minutes. Well, I had a lot more questions, but we I think it was a great conversation. We got, we got hung up. I'm going to hit one more question, and then I'm going to give the, the answer to who did what, and then we'll stop. Right, well, ask Chili this next question because he ain't said but ten words. Okay, Chili's done quit. He's already quit on the conversation. Now don't you ask him something? Chad doesn't like segments, but his latest segment is well, Chili's quit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get a T-shirt that says Chili quit. Chili. Gotta get that, son. Don't this, be like Chili. I like this question, and this is actually a good. There was two questions, so I combined them. Um, Chili, and you would be a good person for this. Outstanding. That's outstanding. They asked... Hold on. What is a question? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what even is that? Woo! That was a bug. They asked, um, (laughs) are seed oils poison? Also, what do you think the current worst food is? Like, out of all... Is there a genre of food right now you think is the most detrimental to our health? Well, are seed oils... Uh, poison. It's a hard shift we're making here. <laughs> yes, in a certain dose. So it's water. That's Wait, my answer that- to that. Now, <laughs> now uh, so is water. What was next? The worst food? Like, 
it could be it doesn't have to be a food but like what do you think in our diet that is really prevalent is killing people right now like is it sugar is it what chili's chili's <laughs> default is just to know nothing well, I, I know it's constant I, default. I know he no, knows. Well, look. scripture doesn't talk about that, does it? Really? Well, I mean, seed oils. He look here. knows something about seed oil. I know he does. <laughs> I know you do. No, I gave a very. He's oh. probably read volumes of. I know. Uh, of, I know. Of writings on seed oils. Look, I know seed oil. Yes, it is poison in a certain dose. That's. What's the worst food you need? <laughs> Thanks, Blake. Um, <laughs> Blake's ready to wrap this all up. Harry, Come on, let's Harry go. Pigskins. Well, it does depend on what counts as food. Okay. Well, what's the worst thing you can consume as a human? Right now, that's popular. That Arsenic. like everybody will be yeah. familiar. That's with. up there. No, <laughs> heavy metals. You I give up. All right. You have to word these questions so specifically or everybody will change the context or just not answer them at all. There you have it, guys. Don't eat arsenic. <laughs> I would recommend not. No, for real, you don't really have anything like artificial sweeteners, sugar. Silica uh, beads. A silica. What? We, uh, we have color, seen that. Food dyes. What about food dyes? There's nothing. In that dosage. Right? In certain dosage. <laughs> He wouldn't recommend it. Are y'all have y'all all quit? Should I just quit? No, no, we've not quit. I, I answered quit? both of those questions, so you can't say I didn't answer both the questions. Uh I want to hear who did what. Yep, that means everybody's done. <laughs> Biscuit's over there grinning and he's looking back and forth. Oh, I, I, I'm quick. I'm never done. I'm just enjoying listening to Chili Talk. Boo, do you think seed oils are poisonous? And what food do you think is killing us right now? Um well, it depends on the seed. Um, <laughs> sunflower seed oil is 100% poisonous. Why? Why do you say um, <laughs> What? Tomato seed oil is not poisonous. It's tomato seed oil? Yeah. Um, and then the worst food that you can possibly be eating right now is anything vegan. <laughs> anything vegan will definitely make you a pitiful shell of a human with low testosterone you won't be able to perform do anything think uh run lift nothing well a lot of vegan food has seed oil in it yeah wait so like sunflower, sunflower seed, oil. seed oil yeah yeah you, you ate broccoli last night that's vegan no that's not vegan <laughs> he had butter on it yeah. What? No, it didn't. I cooked it. Yeah. He dipped it in milk. He dipped it I, in butter. I, I also let <laughs> I also let the juice from my steak kind of disseminate across the the surface of my plate, and my broccoli was sitting in that. It's unveganed it. Yeah. How, what what word do you want to use for that when you unvegan food? De-vegan. If you rub, <laughs> if you feel bad about eating vegan and you're eating broccoli and you feel bad about it, go take your steak and rub it on it, and then eat, then eat your broccoli. Hundred <laughs> percent. Then, then you ain't got to feel bad. So it's you have so babe to avoid the health consequences of what you're saying. I'm just going to clarify. You need to de-vegan all of your food. Oh yeah, yeah. I can eat broccoli. Um, like just straight broccoli, and it'll just blow my stomach up, make me feel like crap. I'll fart for three days. <laughs> I can rub my steak all over my broccoli, and I can eat a pound of it. Be good to go. What if you rub your broccoli on your steak? <laughs> that works too. Anyway, as long as the broccoli comes in contact with some sort of animal product, do you're you good vegan to go. it? Yep. 
Wow. Y'all just keep some cowhide around. Wife, you mess on that. Wow. There's little tiny microorganisms all over every vegetable that everybody eats, so they're really not vegan either. And there's crickets. They use crickets in a lot of things too. Yeah, don't man, they? they're killing all kinds of organisms. So yeah. you're saying the microorganisms on the broccoli means we don't need to drip steak juice? I mean, you're eating. Whoa. <clears throat> Look at that leap. I didn't say that. So it means you don't have to de-vegan it with steak juice. You're automatically eating the microorganisms, which well, makes well, it not Rubbing vegan. the steak on it just has a profound effect, but it, uh, it isn't <laughs> vegan in, in, in the first place, actually. But That's true. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that is true. And yeah. <clears throat> Go ahead and start eating bugs. That's what Klaus Schwab wants you to do. Is that the Schwab car guy? Get, get no. used to a diet of bugs. I'm not opposed to eating bugs. I would try it. You better steer away from that, boo-boo. Bugs aren't vegan either, are they? That's a That's living thing. Witchcraft. Oh, I want to give a shout-out. I want to give a shout-out before we do the roundtable on who did what. I want to give a shout-out to a really great... Um, Christian podcast that's out there right now that I'm getting a lot from. It's called the Just Thinking Podcast. Go listen to those dudes, man. They're they're really really good. Thank you. All right, for that. baby. Do Do you have any commentary on seed oil or anything you think is very um, unhealthy right now, Blake? I think seed oils are fine. I eat them all. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if y'all can see his smile right now. And. Um, What's killing everybody are all these fad diets, you know, keto, the boiled egg diet, high carb, low carb, medium carb. Easy. Just, just eat what, Easy. man, you eat, know what, diet eat what makes you feel yeah, good, that's right. man. Eat what you want. That's the freaking diet I'm on. Unless you're like Grizz and you consume about two <laughs> cases of kite, oh, kite yeah. dope. Kite dope. <laughs> <laughs> We're supposed to prank call Grizz on this show, as the, a matter of fact. Do you want to call him real that. quick and ask him something about Diet Coke? Uh, I don't think you're synced up on the soundboard there, baby. I could be in about two seconds. No, that's all right. Yeah. No. We'll call him. Well, y'all got to be easy on him, man. He quit eating fast food. He's been eating fan food. Yeah. He that eats biscuits true. from gas stations. Yeah. That's his just, main food. Y'all, y'all got to be. Dairy, he eats Dairy Queen a lot, but that's fan food. That's that is true. Not fast food. What? Y'all got to oh. be easy on him. Diet Coke. He's and he only it. eats crystals like twice a week. So Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. Y'all have to uh, speak up. Um, okay. Who do you guys think had a colonoscopy at six years old? You asking YouTube? Yeah. I was kind of giving it like a like a oh, cliffhanger. While, while, while you're waiting on that, tell the people about Hoist. You didn't run your hoist, Dad. Well, what were you going to say, Blake? What? Dad always picks the best time to run these ads. <laughs> he, yeah, people been you wait, know what? People been waiting the whole show on the who did what segment. Yes, it, it's among the four of us. Each thing is one of us, they're asking. All right, you want me to talk about hoist? I This is true. I will not drink any hydration drink other than unsweetened electrolytes period except for hoist because i look at the ingredients on everything and i am a freak and i just won't touch gatorade all the ones prime i won't touch any of those but i like hoist um i like the flavor but i've also seen it 
tested. And I mean, you've, you've proven that at races we've had it at our events. We don't have people falling out and cramping. And I mean, it's, it just works. Like it just speaks for itself. I don't, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell by the way you're looking at me. You're like, that's not good. Enough. Well, I like that. It don't have no, um, doesn't have any, uh, food color dyes in it, food yeah. colorings. It or seed oil. doesn't have any preservatives. One time I brought some or of that seed oils. to the range and I drank about half the bottle and put it back in there and went back about two weeks later and went to take a drink and it was molded in there. Yep. And I was like, dang, what the crap? And then I thought, well, that's pretty good. Because Gatorade. Gatorade, it could have sat in there for three years and it would never mold. It would never mold. Yeah. And Boo, what you say is what I want to say is that my favorite part about Hoist is the people behind it. Yeah. Allie is one of my new favorite people. And she's a representative of, of Hoist. And if the people hired her based on who she is, I can only imagine what caliper of people are running the company. Yeah, and they're great partners, too. Yeah. Allie's on the chat. Is she? Yeah. They're great partners, too. They have uh, the, the they can made a huge contribution to the One Mile Out documentary. Yeah. Um. You they've mean they paid for half of it? Yeah, they've kept us going. They've kept us fueled. They've uh, they've just been amazing, amazing partners. And our partners and our Patreon is what makes all this happen. By the way, can't help, can't happen without our partners and our patrons. Period. Um, so that's important. Check them out. Get you some hoist at drinkhoist.com. Super easy to set up. They'll ship it right to your house. They're quick. It's easy. Got a great website, great product, great people. It counts. Where you spend your money counts. It means something. It matters. Mm -hmm. So think about that before you go down to the store and buy another freaking Gatorade. Aren't they in Walmart now? Some Walmarts? Some. Yeah, some. So That's exciting. That's drinkhoist.com. Boo, I will never be even close to as good as hosting as you are thank you so much baby i know everybody thinks it's easy man chili thinks everything i do is easy blake thinks everything i do is easy well, it is easy because we don't let you do what you're good at so it should be easy to you yeah that's why it's freaking shrinking me dude yeah you're i'm shrinking the end of that what do I think your, you, that you do weak, is easy man. you ever you ever seen anything hard shrink you ever seen a rock shrink <laughs> you ever seen anything soft shrink i sure have yeah so there you go. <laughs> All right, baby. You really were, especially the end of that so, ad. Well, what did YouTube say? Who? Nobody. Who, nobody guessed. Who nobody had a hysterectomy? I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I asked six him. years old. <laughs> who had a hysterectomy? Why are you attacking women's health today? You started talking about childbirths not difficult. And oh, now you're childbirths saying, a cakewalk. Now you're talking about hysterectomy. See, I baited him right there so everybody would hate him at the end of the podcast. Uh, yep. <laughs> it probably works. Most people hate me anyways. <laughs> All right. Uh, TC got it right. TC Stewart. He said, that's chili. Chili, tell us about why you had a uh, colonoscopy at six years old. Well, everybody waits till they're 50. I got mine out of the way as a first grader, so... I don't know why you'd wait till you're 50. I wanted a good colon cleanse is pretty much what it came down to. So ran off to the doctor, said, clean me out, doc. He said, all right. Now, the story you told me earlier after breakfast was so much better than that story. Well, that was the truth of it. You said you were bleeding from your anus. Well, yeah, that too. And that's, that's, 
That's why. He's going to leave that part out. <laughs> and that you he had, probably went and got his butthole bleached. And, <laughs> and, that, and that, that you had a rare bacteria that you had to be treated for. Yeah, it almost killed me. So what? Why wouldn't you tell people that? Why do we have to pull that out of you? That's interesting. I'm only alive because of modern medicine, man. I'm big farm all the way. Seed <laughs> <laughs> so you know, oils and big farm and kept you alive, hadn't it? They had chili on sunflower seed oil. Yeah, they ain't even going to shoot that joker up with formaldehyde when he dies. They just gonna put him in the casket. They prayed him around infinitely, and he'll just be preserved. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, who got ISS for selling Pokemon cards in middle school? Look, give him like. Yeah, I'll give, give y'all a minute to guess. By the way, TC, since you answered that question right, I used to know a, a guy named TC Stewart. TC was a hoarder. He lived on a property in a little camper, and he had about four old chicken houses that were slap full of freaking crap. They caught on fire one day, and the fire department came down there, and uh, TC was running around having a fit, trying to get the fireman to put his chicken houses out. But he had like 500 of these propane tanks sc- scattered <laughs> all throughout the property. And uh, they were all like, just like maybe had a, just a little bit of propane in it. So they all started exploding. And the city wanted TC to clean this mess up anyways. And he would, he refused to do it. So the fire department just sat there and watched all this crap burn <laughs> for about two days. Poor TC. TC Stewart, that joker was a legend, dude. Oh my gosh. Okay, some people, most people said Blake sold Pokemon cards. A couple people, Colby Smith got it right. Nine Cats got it right. Yep, that was me. Um, I used to be a big peddler of Pokemon. <laughs> I didn't peddle drugs. I peddled Pokemon cards. Uh, you got to catch them all. <laughs> I mean, hey, son, I had them all. And so, I, you know, I had some nice collection, you know, Charizard, <laughs> Machamp, um, Mewtwo. I had a nice collection of holograms. And <laughs> everybody knew I had them. And so this kid... That's good. You got to read that in a second. So this kid one day at my middle school, he stole like 500 bucks in cash from his parents, apparently. Bought my, bought the, I mean, the top. You overcharged the He bought the top selection of my Pokemon cards. And I remember riding home on the bus, like having that 500 bucks, thinking like, oh yeah, I'm set for life, son. I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> 500 bucks in middle school? I, I'm talking about, oh, yeah, I'm talking about, I thought I was good, son, cash money. And uh, the next day, um, his parents had a fit, and I ended up having to give him his money back. And Chad take, said, I didn't spend that money. <laughs> <laughs> take my Pokemon collection well, wh- back. Whatever happened to your collection? I ended up giving my collection to uh, my cousin, Nate. Oh. He still has them, as a matter of fact. They're probably he worth, does? Yeah, well, they're good. probably worth hundreds of thousands of dollars now <laughs> well good yeah <laughs> does he really still have them? oh yeah he still when did them. you confirm that he just told me the other day he showed them to me just the other day not <laughs> a year ago yeah maybe a year ago he showed them to me yeah so when, what did tc say when you first started talking about how big you were and selling this pokemon cards he put gay but he spelled it g-h-e-y <laughs> Thank you, TC. That's 
so funny. Um, oh my gosh. All right. Who, while jumping on the bed, was sodomized himself with the bedpost and had to go to the hospital? Oh, you crap. said himself. Oh, yeah, you screwed that up. Yeah. And poor Blake, can I just say, he doesn't know that I'm using that one. I called Jenny. I forgot off. that even happened. I yeah. called I called this mom and dad on the way over here, and they were sitting with the goats, and I was like, what's the funniest, most embarrassing thing that happened to a... Tucker blowed his butt bunghole out <laughs> on the bedpost. Well, didn't actually get me on the hole. It, they said, had it got me on the hole, that'd have been real bad. It didn't? No, it got me just right on the tailbone. Grizz thought it got you inch. in the hole. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, miss. They said about a half. He missed me by about a half inch. You got lucky on that one, son. Yep. But you still had to go to the hospital. Oh uh, yeah, we went that. to the doctor, and uh, yeah, that's another time I about passed out. I stood up to walk in there and like to passed out. Yeah, bruised my tailbone. I had to sit on. I remember in school, I had to bring like a, a <laughs> pool float because I couldn't sit on anything like anything at all. So I sat in the middle of that pool float. <laughs> and I'd sit in the floor or whatever, and just so my bum didn't touch the ground, but my legs and everything, you know. How old were you? I don't know, maybe like third or good fourth grade or something. Middle school, you would have never survived that socially. No, no I about didn't survive it as a human, but luckily I come out on the other end. Well, when I took you to the hospital, you should have just said, "Run me through a colonoscopy. Let me get this out of the way." <laughs> That that leaves who was bit on the nipple by a horse at the county fair and suffered serious bruising. That was me. I was that's one of my few childhood memories is I was little. And you know how they put those three D shirts on kids that have like the grass that's like separate and the oh, flowers yeah. and it's like all different and it pops out? Well that's what I had and I was petting that horse and that thing just just chomped. Good night. And it was bad. That's why you shouldn't have horses. Mm. Get goats. All right? Oh, can I end with one that we're, when we're ending? This question that someone wanted to ask Chili. Ask Chili why that now I have goats and I spend a large portion of my day goating. Why have seen at least a 43% increase in physical and mental <sighs> strength? By the way, the goats are named Kimbo Slice and JFK. Man seen a forty three percent increase in physical and mental strength since he started goading. Doubt it. Have you started? Um, That's, you hadn't put that in anybody's training plan yet. Have no goading. No. My response to that is BS. My training plan. I goat three times a day, son. No. All right. Nope. <laughs> All right. That's it. Thank you for uh, being mean and rather aggressive while I hosted. Even well, you though you invited thank the listeners, me. Brett. Well, I, I, yeah. Thank you, listeners. Wrap it up. Enough said. Click the darn button. <laughs>